0: Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson. Joining me in a bit will be Tim Phillips. And we made it to July. I don't know how that happened, but it is uh, July. It has been July for a week now. And uh, time certainly is flying. You know, summer used to seem like it went on forever, you know, back when you're in school, right? I don't even mean like university, I just mean like, you know, uh, elementary school, high school, it just seemed like this uh, just long period where <laughs> there was nothing to do, and at some point that stops being real and, and time just moves so quickly. And so here we are again, at episode 200 and something, event credits, moving on. And Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new crime drama, The White Tiger, which you can now stream on Netflix. And speaking of days gone by, we are going to continue with our look back at the summer movie seasons of the past. We are now up to the summer of 1992. And it's a pretty memorable summer for couple of different reasons, um, probably, again, it's one of those where there wasn't like a lot of hits, there were some substantial hits, but there weren't big, big hits, but a lot of movies that, uh, I guess portended things to come, also, you know, movies that have become called classics and are highly memorable for, for different reasons, other than the fact that they weren't, uh, or they weren't not hits, I don't know, is that even English, who knows. Let's just get into the the movies. Um, so we start on May 8th with uh, Poison Ivy, which is, um, one of these sort of formative movies for Drew Barrymore, who was trying to make a hard turn into more adult roles. So, I mean, what's more adult than an er erotic thriller? Um... This was actually directed by a female director, Kat Shea, who, uh, was an actress, um, then, you know, started moving into directing, uh, her last movie was the, the Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase movie, which starred, um, the young woman who played young Beverly in It as Nancy Drew, um, that was kind of her last movie, maybe not ever, but, uh, the last thing she did, she, but, uh. (laughs) <laughs> Poison Ivy is probably her most notorious effort. Um having spawned uh several sequels, continuations, spin-offs, or at least two or three uh sequels to Poison Ivy that have come out over the years. Uh I guess that the title is just it's just too good to not exploit further. Emphasis on the word exploit. Anyway, on May fifteenth we get Lethal Weapon 3 And, uh, you know, by this point in that series, it's definitely losing its edge, and I think that's because Shane Black had nothing to do with it. Shane Black wrote the story for Lethal Weapon 2. He didn't necessarily have a role in the screenplay, at least not an explicit, credited role, but you can very much tell his presence is not there anymore. Um, This kind of... the, The emphasis is kind of on star power and hijinks and... Uh, this, the whole subplot of, um, Roger maybe retiring, uh, Joe Pesci's character hanging around still trying to sell Roger's house, uh, just, you know, and it brings in Rene Russo as a formal love interest for, uh, Riggs, um, it just, it, it's, it's trying, it's, it smacks of effort. And it mostly succeeds, but um but we'll have to talk about real high level effort stuff when by the time we get to leave the weapon for uh on may twenty second we get alien three, which if you don't know, the backstory for alien three is very much worth reading just the the sheer time effort, and energy, plus numerous directors and creatives who who came and went on this project over its six-year journey to the big screen it is remarkable i mean you're talking about people like vincent ward and william gibson <laughs> and it just all of it all of these ideas are kind of like thrown into a blender and voila you get alien 3 and it the, the responsibility for its failures or creative misfires kind of falls exclusively on david Fincher and David Fincher, and and that is kind of really unfair to him. I mean, there are some good ideas in it, there are some really good actors in it, like Charles Dance and Charles S. Dutton, um, and at least it has the audacity to sort of kill Ripley at the end. Uh, as if to say, like, you know, we tried to make three, we should never, ever, ever try to make four. Of course they did make a four, and then they made Alien vs. Predator and a sequel to that, and then they Ridley Scott came back to make Prometheus and alien covenant so um this was not the end of the alien story on that same weekend you also get encino man which um executives really hope to be able to capitalize on you know, Polly shore was sort of one of the early adapters to mtv moving away from music videos to kind of more reality t- and personality tv show fair so uh and the executives that made Encino Man really thought that uh Polly Shore was going to translate to a broader audience did not really turn out to be the case, although you do get um Brendan Fraser as a caveman skateboarding caveman out of Encino Man, and uh you know through through Sean Aston some work, which we always appreciate um also on that same weekend, you get Far and Away, which is another Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman attempt to show that working together can be, you know, lucrative and good for the marriage. Um, <laughs> almost like um, like they would in Eyes Wide Shut later. Um, they met on the set of Days of Thunder in 1990. But it's also this sprawling adventure, kind of epic Ron Howard movie uh, that forces Tom Cruise to try and do an Irish accent for most of it and... There are just certain actors who are not accent actors, shall we say. And Tom Cruise is definitely one of them. Uh, So on May 29th, we get Sister Act, uh, which is prime Whoopi Goldberg-era star power. And it it is... I mean, she's on The View now, and I assume she enjoys herself. Otherwise, why would she... Stay, but uh you know Whoopi Goldberg was a verifiable Hollywood star for a time and and this is right in that world this tale of a a lounge singer who hides out in a covenant and um teaches the nuns the value of soul and motown uh mostly white nuns, I should add naturally. On June 5th, <clears throat> we get Patriot Games, which is Harrison Ford's first crack at the Jack Ryan character, and uh, Philip Noyce's first crack also at this franchise, this Tom Clancy franchise, that every now and then we seem to try and make a thing. Instead of just enjoying them for like the basic dad movies that they are, this is like almost the prototypical dad movie with uh, Jack Ryan fighting the NR- the not the NRA, although that would be interesting. Probably not fitting in with Tom Clancy's conservative ideals, though. Uh, But Patriot Games, it's uh, Jack Ryan facing off against the IRA. And it would not be Harrison Ford's last dance with the IRA. There's a movie called The Devil's Zone that came out, I think, in 98-99, which starred uh, Ford as a New York cop and Brad Pitt as uh, an IRA assassin. And uh, it's a thing. It's something that happened. Anyway. On June twelfth, we get the house sitter, which is actually a pretty decent little romantic comedy directed by Frank Oz, um, who's very good at these sort of like low stakes character comedies. Um, it stars Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn. Uh, a little bit of slapstick, a little bit of fun, a little bit of misdirection, uh, some twisty. It's 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 a lot of fun. Because um, Steve Martin gets to play Uptight and Goldie Hawn gets to play Free Spirit. So they're playing to their strengths. And uh, they make something that's a lot of fun together. On June 19th, we get the penultimate. I don't know what that penultimate or ultimate. Ultimate sequel. But I don't know. Uh, we get Batman Returns, which was sold on absolutely everything you could slap a logo on. From McDonald's toys to... T-shirts to suspenders, what have you, it was expected to be even huger than the first Batman movie, it was not, and because, you know, Warner Brothers did something that a studio absolutely would not let anyone do with a highly valuable piece of IP, even not so valuable IP, which is just... Let the director indulge all of his instincts, um, good and terrible, in in making this. Like Batman Returns, looks like nothing else. Like no other comic book movie, it 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 has this flavor that will never ever be replicated or duplicated on a Batman movie. No one will ever allow anything like this to exist. Um, which is also why it's like so doubly disappointing that. Um, Burton's Superman returns never happened because you know we would never get a a uh, like a Superman movie like that weird right now just like crazy Tim Burton goth tendencies with Nick Cage long black hair it's 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 incredibly disappointing it's just why I'm kind of stumbling over this point and trying to trying to take off for the next movie, but it's just, I can't stress this enough, there will never be another comic movie as just, like, out-and-out weird and authoristic as Batman Returns. I mean, unless comic movies take, like, a violent nosedive in terms of box office, um, they're all going to be kind of these bland-looking, similar-looking things, which is a shame. On July 1st, we get A League of Their Own, which, you know, makes good use of her really great cast um it's you know madonna is really great in it that that kind of was a role that really suited her you know you get gina davis leading the team um she's very very strong in these parts you have Lori petty as as her little sister uh tom hanks as this (laughs) coach who's uh, well, rough around the edges doesn't really do him justice, but Tom Hanks is so funny in this. It, it, it's, it's it's a reminder of his very generous comedic talents. He is America's dad now, which is a role he wears very, very well. But he, um, he's just so great in, in A League of Their Own as kind of a louse. Um, I'm going to run through some of these really quick. So Universal Soldier, uh, Van Damme versus London, uh, Perfection, Cool World, uh, I, it's a mix of animation and live action, directed by Ralph Bakshi, uh, starring Gabriel Byrne, Kim Basinger, and Brad Pitt. Uh, Ralph Bakshi was known for like kind of like pushing the envelope of animation back in the seventies. He did uh, Fritz the Cat, but he also did like the first animated adaptation of The Lord of the Rings, and he did this movie Wizards, where he did a lot of rotoscope, which is like it's like this post-apocalyptic future where stormtroopers fight. Uh, fairy creatures. It's very bizarre, and it's kind of no surprise that Cool World completely uh, doesn't work, because uh, Ralph is a guy who swings for the fences. On July 17th, we get Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Obviously, natural sequel idea to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. On July tw- uh, July 31st, we get Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is notable for only the fact that it, it created this other bigger pop culture Phenomenon in terms of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Uh, we also get Death Becomes Her on that same weekend, which, um, I mean, looking <laughs> looking at it through the lens of something like the Doll test, yeah, it, it fails horribly. But it, there are some, like, top-line kind of really state-of-the-art, for-the-time visual effects that make this worth seeing. Also, from what I understand, uh, it's Death Becomes Her has kind of become a cult classic, um it, it's sort of become a an originating text for a lot of drag queens and uh who who are are have giving it a given it a very sort of queer reading in the years since it came out, which is very interesting. Um I that I mean that's another reason why it's fun to revisit, you know, movies like that, is how um different audiences now see them all these years later. On August 7th, we get Three Ninjas, kind of like the last gasp of the anglicized uh, martial arts uh, kind of subgenre. When martial arts movies kind of come back in a big way, they have a definite sort of Asian flavor. So you get The Matrix, which is importing a lot of stuff from Hong Kong. Um, right into you know Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at the turn of the century, which is a, sort of an explicitly more Asian influenced because it, it it's you know made by actual Asian people. Uh, on that same weekend, you also get Unforgiven, which is Clint Eastwood's first uh, Western since Pale Rider. It was also the one that's got him the Oscar and a lot of his you know. Uh, sort of metatextual, because a lot of it people have embraced it as kind of a deconstruction of his spaghetti western days, which i I think it is I think it's one of the reasons why the the script appealed to Eastwood on August the fourteenth you get single white female, which again is one of these movies that is more famous for um <laughs> for for the what it encodes so when you, when you're looking at stories about whether they be jovial or funny or just that right, sinister, when you talk, you're you talking about someone uh, taking on the attributes and attitude and appearance of, of someone else, they are being single white femaled. Um And then on August 21st, we get Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, which is one of two movies celebrating the 500th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival in the quote-unquote new world. Uh, the other one was 1492... The Conquest of Paradise, I think it was. Uh, That's the formal title. It was directed by Ridley Scott, and uh, these two movies are kind of <laughs> very much confused for each other. Although the con- sorry the um, the discovery Christopher Columbus the discovery is um, well known for the Razzies it collected primarily uh, f- because uh, Tom Selleck was cast as the king of Spain in that movie. So think about that for a minute. On August the 28th, we get Pet Cemetery 2, Honeymoon in Vegas, sort of a classic uh, signpost on the highway to uh, discovering Nicolas Cage. And then you also get Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which a lot of people assumed was going to answer a lot of questions about Twin Peaks, the series which the series itself never got around to answering, and of course has still never answered all these years later, even though the the series came back in 2017. uh, David Lynch proves he's not interested in answering your questions. He's only interested in asking more questions. And I have a question. What did we think of White Tiger? We're going to find out in a minute. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU, 93.3 FM, cfru.ca, Guelph Campus, at Community Radio. This is no way to start a story. I'm Indian after all, and it is an ancient and venerated custom of my people to start a story by praying to a higher power. And that was a clip from The White Tiger. It is the new film from Raman Bharani, and it stars Adarsh Gaurav, Rajkumar Rao, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, Mahesh Majrekar, Vijay Morya, and Kamlish Gill all right so i'm now being joined on the line by tim phillips tim how are you today doing well adam
1: summertime's here feels Mm -hmm. good
0: i noticed summer's here yeah
1: yeah it's nice nice to get out enjoy the weather i'm yeah double vax now so i'm happy about that (laughs) (laughs)
0: living mat living mask free outdoors and yeah yeah. just
1: frolicking yeah frolicking in the open air it's pretty pretty nice how about yourself
0: well frolicking in the open air yesterday got me a pretty nasty sunburn so uh there's that um (laughs) otherwise uh otherwise we're sunscreen kids and uh uh, and a hat um although i I was wearing a hat and i still got like partially i got a little burn on my the back of my neck but i I wasn't wearing a wide-brimmed hat i was just wearing one of my regular um one one sided. I don't I don't know. I love hats, but I don't know hat names. Uh, but it's like a one sided brim hat. So that's what I'm going to call it. Okay. Anyway, speaking of heat and humidity, we're going to go to India and yeah. talk about White Tiger. And Tim, you uh, were interested in taking the White Tiger experience. So what drew you to White Tiger?
1: Uh, yeah, what drew me, Adam, is I saw it saw it on Netflix and uh, I think I'd seen it on there here and there for a while. And I was actually surprised that it's been been streaming uh, since January. Um, and it, uh, has the movies received critical. It's been critically acclaimed based Mm -hmm. on a man Booker prize winning novel. So I figured this will be some quality entertainment to watch. Um, did not really know anything about the plot going in, which is always good. And, uh, yeah so I decided to pick this one, trying to go with uh, trying to go with some quality, trying to get, watch something that uh, I thought <laughs> might uh, <laughs> have some depth to it and then I'll pick a silly comedy next week, hopefully or something. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was nice to watch something that I thought would be a good uh, good solid movie and it turned out it's it's I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done
0: yeah no it was um i'm not sure how serious it is um I, I i don't know the the original book but um there's some serious kind of it's not as like over the top and campy as scarface but i did get a lot of scarface vibes from it this like uh like goodfellas vibes like it, it wasn't quite like um, from as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. But um, it really is a story about um, this kid who had such great ambitions, um, and and you know those ambitions were sort of reflected by the adults in his life. But then he 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 enters this system in India, uh, this system of servitude that that people of the lower castes sort of live in, and he kind of gets sucked into that, but always in the back of his mind is um, trying to escape and trying to climb the ladder. And uh, so, the, so there's a kind of universa- universality uh, to, to that um, that kind of speaks to not just um, Indian audiences, but, um, you know, white audiences, white Western audiences, too. Um, we don't have a caste system. Well, we don't have an explicitly cast system here in <laughs> yeah. North, North America, but um, I think, you know, I don't know if it was intentional or not to sort of view this through the lens as uh, as we would at, like any number of crime movies. But it, it, that is kind of how the message is received. You can, So you kind of see that those Scarface vibes, Goodfella vibes, even though, you know, spoiler alert, he he climbs the ladder <laughs>
1: yeah. and
0: does crimes uh, so he could be a, a good business owner and treat his employees fairly and nicely. So um, kind of a, kind of a bizarre two way message there, but uh, still interesting. Just the same.
1: Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I got the gangster movie vibe as much as you did, but now that you mention it, it does. There is a lot of, like in a good fella sense looking back okay this is this is who i am now and this is this is what i went through and i'm going to tell you the story about it and there is like a lot of dark comedy throughout Mm -hmm. and and, uh it is it is interesting because you see him when he's narrating at the start uh balram who's the lead the lead Mm -hmm. character he's narrating about how he got to the top. I'm going to tell you the story of how this happened. And you see that for a bit, and then it goes to him, you know, his sort of journey, his story through uh, the servitude, like you're saying, how he's from a really poor f- family from a rural village, how he's, uh, you know, he, in school, he's, uh, he's praised as being you know, a scholar, and he's going to be able to go on to universities, but his family doesn't have the money. They have to pay off shady, um, <laughs> a shady landlord, which, you know, that, that's sort of a gangster sort of trope. Like you can see that from like Godfather movies and stuff. They have to pay off this landlord. So he has to go to work instead of to school. Mm-hmm. And then you see him and how how he comes across throughout as you know he's the servant he's from the servant class so he's always nice to his masters and and it always comes across I think for me for most of it is sort of like this genuine uh, thing where he's he he really wants to serve the masters and 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 be part of that class and he's proud to be part of that class because it's still a step up from the poverty he he's coming from um, mm-hmm. But then you, you you sense as the movie goes on and as twists are like, how, how long had he been thinking of, of, you know, of committing these crimes or how, how long had he really had anger towards his masters? Because for most of it, it's like, he's just, he's, he's loving his, it almost like, is it an act or is that how he felt? Like he's just loving being the servant. And then you just see it come out in the violence towards the end of the film and, and just his, his reactions too, when he's just sort of, he's screaming and, you know, he, he, and he's talking to himself about like what he would say to his masters, if he could, how he wants to bash their heads in and steal their money. Yeah, And, and uh, it's like, did, did all the circumstances leading up to that drive him to that? Or was there already an element of that within that character? Um, Cause it is it almost the way it unfolds to me. It's almost like it's all the, everything that happens to him gets him to this stage of just in mm-hmm. uh, and, and like, and that's sort of what you'll see in gangster movies. Like they're, they are they might start it off and they learn the ropes and, mm-hmm. and then, and then they're, they're nice people, but then so much happens to them that they just get hardened. And then at the end, they just don't, don't care anymore. I'm just going to do this for me. And that's when you're talking about decisions, like the decisions he makes are like strictly, I'm going to do this for me to take care of my life um at the end it's sort of justified with he's helping out he's helping out lower classes he's helping them out become drivers and having his own business but the decisions he makes to get there you know are sacrificing Mm -hmm. you know loved ones and and it's you know really it's really just sort of you know kind of selfish in a way so it's a very interesting film because it's it's he he makes these decisions that that are to help himself basically but you 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 kind of feel feel for him and you can kind of understand those decisions so it is like a true anti-hero row anti-hero role at the end of the day like you'll find in in gangster movies right it's sort of like I don't think I would make these decisions, but I can understand why he did. Right. Well, it's it's phrased as like
0: well the way he phrases it, um, uh, Barham, he you're afraid you know that you either you know wait for somebody to you know give you an opportunity or you like a good entrepreneur you take an opportunity when you see it, and you know it, it's kind of crystallized in that one scene where he's I think it's his uncle who who runs this i guess like boarding house where all the drivers stay and you know he's talked to his uncle's like you know what happens you know at the end of this like when when i you know am old and you know i've i've worked all these years and and his uncle's like oh well you know if you're lucky you put aside a little money and you can you know go buy a shack and live in the shack for your <laughs> yeah. rest of your life and he's like okay so that's like that's my reward for like all this year all these years of really hard work and the, the interesting part is that there's always this push pull um where you know someone in the family you know treats him nice um but it's you know it's the iron fist in the velvet glove where you know when it, <laughs> they might give him yeah. a treat but uh then they are also trying to manipulate him into you know doing crimes or um you know being just 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 any yeah. excuse to treat him like garbage because he is part of the lower caste. and uh yeah it, it, it is just there there is this push pull and what's interesting too is that the way he's phrasing it in the voiceover and as he's like sort of reaching the decision that he's going to take um take the money and uh you know screw over a shock uh the, the guy he's been the chauffeur for mm-hmm. it's phrased as this, like, it's not just like a, a personal decision that he's making. It's like this decision that is, that has these like supernatural effects. Like he's violating the natural order of things. Like he goes to the train station and the pigeons are, you know, are, are disturbed. Like, you know, they're kind of rustling. Like there's something, there's something happening in the natural order that they they're reacting to and that, that was yeah. uh, it, it, it could have been very over the top like i am just breaking my chains i am breaking the natural <laughs> order to hell with this servitude stuff i am going i'm going for it but there the, the way it was like sort of built up for like the first hour and an hour and a half it's just like where he's like trying to convince himself that you know th- this career of servitude is something um noble and uh worthy to aspire to but now he's now he's embracing the white tiger and the white tiger is coming and everyone can sense it (laughs) it's it's it it could have been over the top but it's played so it's it's played just right where you can actually kind of get that you can actually feel a bit of that electricity
1: for sure yeah it's uh yeah because you and and you sympathize with him more because he's trying to make the most out of his circumstances he's Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's not like he was a a criminal from birth or something, or you know he's he's you know he he's just a really greedy person. It's like he just wants to he wants he he's a very intelligent person who's kind of stuck in this cage, you know and uh, and there's like metaphors like you're mentioning, they're talking about like the chicken coop, you mm. know um they say he's saying that the state of servitude in the caste system is when you're in the the serving class there, you're it's like you're in the chicken coop waiting for slaughter and you're not, and you're just standing there, Mm -hmm. you know, just waiting for it to happen. Mm -hmm. And you don't, don't, doesn't understand why, because you could just escape if you wanted to. And he, he sees the ways. And once he sees that opportunity, he ends up taking it, but throughout he's like, it's like you're a voluntary you know prisoner is what he's thinking you know it's like something if you really ha- had the took the effort and were out of that mindset that it's all you know that you're going against the order mm-hmm. then you could could do something um and i think it was interesting too in the the film because you know we tend to categorize films. so then watching this you think of like slumdog millionaire you think, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's the most famous example of, of this type of story, right? And it's it was interesting in the way Tiger they say, uh, I think at one point said, uh, "You're you're not going to end up on a quiz show and win a million rupees, right?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. are not. Yeah, you, you, they even reference it. They're just sort of like, you know, there's fairy tales and then there's the truth, what's really happening, and. W- how you can get out of your situation. And it took a lot of hard choices by him. And you'd say, some might say immoral choices to get out of that situation. But, right. you know, when your back's against the wall, you do things. And that's, yeah, that's where that, that gangster uh, analogy you're coming up with makes a lot of sense. Because in in those movies, there's their backs against the wall. You know, people say, okay, these are immoral acts they're doing. This is, these, they shouldn't be committing these crimes. But you do it because you need to you need to get somewhere and when your back's against the wall. And that's that's how he felt in in this film. So you can you can understand you know you can understand his actions even though they're really really hard actions, you think, like could I turn my back on my entire family? Could I do this or that? You know, mm-hmm. could I kill somebody? And 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 that's the choice is he's confronted with. Um. It's kind of interesting that the, the
0: speaking of his family, that the, the choice kind of seems cemented when his, his nephew shows up and um, his grandmother has sent his nephew to like, Oh, she sent me so that, you know, you can teach me how to be a chauffeur too. And then I can grow up and, you know, be like you. And, and <laughs> because the, the perception is like, he's a chauffeur in the big city. Um, so automatically his life is better than like subsisting on this like rural area where, you know, everyone's sort of living off this like little tea stand. And, uh, in in that moment, there's, there's a moment where the nephew, um, says something and Brahms, uh, slaps him. And there's a moment where you can sort of see him realizing, like, oh, God, I'm part of it. (laughs) (laughs) And and it it kind of, like, cements in him that moment, that idea, like, if I don't do something now, uh, this life is going to be the nephew's life. And I've kind of got to, like, the time is now to sort of make a change. And, yeah, I I also added to, like, the, the, the gangster thing. I'm 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 sort of like walking back <laughs> my own <laughs> ideas uh, about that because I mean, at, almost everybody in this film is horrible in some way. Like the family he's working for are bribing government officials so that they don't have to pay extra taxes. Like that's mm-hmm. part of his job. He's he's like driving a shock to the the government offices. You know, once a week to drop off the bribes, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, um, and you know it, it, the whole the whole system is kind of culpable. This this great like um the, the woman who becomes prime minister uh at the end you know she's like heralded as this great socialist leader but when we finally see her in the flash she's like no 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 you're going to start paying me off and it's like wait a minute you're the socialist we're, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're going to bribe you too get out of here and it's just you know in this system where like the corruption is just so blatant um you would have to be f- it, it's almost like you would have to be foolish not to corrupt be corrupt yourself and that almost seems like the point where, you know, Baram uh, sort of embraces this where he's, you know, he starts um, using the car to um, as a as a gypsy taxi at one point. and And uh, he's selling the gas and coming up with fake invoices for fake repairs. And it's just like, yeah, you know, in in a, in a with everything so corrupt, you would have to be crazy not to be corrupt yourself. And it's just. It's interesting to me that the end that the answer to corruption is to use the corruption to create less corruption in the end, um, yeah. or or at least try. And um, I, I think I, I think I think in the in the end the message is kind of like, well, you know, uh, we, we had some laughs, we did some crimes, and uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of on top now. But you know, that's life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think uh yeah i think message too being you know this traditional caste system it's going to be better for the country to to get away with it just for the economic well-being and he says at the end it's going to be the yellow man and the or the yellow i don't know if he says man or not yellow people and the brown people so he's writing his whole the premise is he's writing a letter to the to the premier of china right um mm-hmm and talk about chi- China and India, how there'll be powers going forward. And if they, if they s- stop almost with the traditional way of life and they look more as entrepreneurs, as uh, capitalists mm-hmm. and that's how he ends up in Bangalore at the end, which is more of a thriving capitalist city at that time. So it's uh, yeah. So, so he's got all that. And then one th- thing I wanted to mention is the, the strong female characters too in this mm. so mm. it's it's funny in this system this caste system you can't can't really say it's patriarchy or anything necessarily because the he is the biggest influence on his life when he's younger and he's back in the rural village is his grandmother mm. and his grandmother is calling the shots it's like telling how much money they need who to bribe and also saying about arranging the marriage for him which is some more pressure mm-hmm. on on him that probably makes his de- makes his decisions a little bit easier for him because his back's against the wall he knows he's going to be in this arranged marriage and you know back back in rural india and uh, married you know mm-hmm. just like just like his father before him who died early having to work in servitude right with so he's he's thinking of all of this and uh, but the the grandmother's so such a strong character for that and she's so in favor of the sort of the traditional way of life and you know mm. the whole caste system she supports that and then the character of Pinky who <laughs> is the you know she the wife or girlfriend of the um,
0: I think they're married yeah, yeah she's the, the, a shock's wife yeah
1: yeah a shock's wife a shock being the The one who hires Balram to be his Um, chauffeur—it's his wife, and she's from New York City, and she's really progressive in her ideas, and she's really against this sort of thing where you know Balram will be down there like massaging Master's leg, and with Master pushing him around, (laughs) pushing his head, and saying, "No, you put you press too hard there, or go down, or you know, massage my foot or whatever." It's just so so degrading for him. And she sees that and she's against that. And she's, she's really vocal against a lot of the system she sees there. And it's interesting having those characters because they're such powerful female characters in the film. And Pinky really impressed me. And the, the actress who plays her apparently is one of India's most popular entertainers, Mm -hmm. one of the highest paid actresses. She was Miss World in 2000. She she actually executive produced the movie too. Um,
0: yeah, Priyanka Chopra.
1: Yeah, Priyanka Chopra. So it's it's really uh, really married it, to Jonas brother. Oh, is she? Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, don't know that. Okay. I think she,
0: I think she's Mrs. Nick Jonas, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, so you, you yeah. get that, and yeah, before we came on air, yeah, Adam, you and I were talking mm. about how sort of an Americanized story in a lot of ways because there's so much English spoken in it. And you can understand, you can have a debate why that is. We, you know, neither of us live in India, so we don't know how much English is actually spoken in India, if if, if that much. But uh, that's something when watching it, which is interesting. It seems like when they're in the cities, they're really a lot of English. And then in the rural villages, you get more of the local dialect with the subtitles. And there might be reasons for that with some of the actors involved, but it's... uh, it's 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 interesting uh that it's you know sort of it's almost like in a way like an american uh, usa india co-production right Mm -hmm.
0: i think we should just stop for a minute to like reflect on the oddness of like the the jonas like the uh, the the jonas clan because uh, like one i know one of them is (laughs) and i think it is nick jonas that's married to priyanka chopra but there's another jonas brother who's like married to uh sophie turner uh from game of thrones so it's like this like <laughs> new jersey singing family with tendrils in india and england it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like they're an old-fashioned cast system in a way it's, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. looking for the the best and brightest brides from around the world to add to their empire um but no, yeah, I, I like I like Priyanka Chopra a lot. What what I will add to that is that yeah, she, when she sees um, Balram being this like being maltreated, she will speak up. But she is also not above maltreating him either. Like it's just her her way is like kind of very subtle. It's like the microaggressions. It's like oh, I can't believe he just did that. And, but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's you know. To to her credit, she doesn't like smack him and beat him and treat him like garbage. But that's not to say like she treats him like well, um, or you know, yeah, so every
1: everyone knows their class basically. She knows right. she's she's in the higher class. So even though right she yeah. may not hit him in the head, she knows okay,
0: <laughs> there's no yeah. physical abuse. But uh, you can't say there's there is no abuse, and uh, that's. I mean, that that that, that there's, there's kind of added dimension to that, where, again, you can't look at any of these characters and say, here's a good guy, here's a bad guy. Uh, I mean, maybe some members of the family, like the Mongoose, who's just like <laughs> unre- un- 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 unrep- unrepentantly, um, you know, kind of gray in his, his worldview. But um, yeah, and I, I do like, I, I did like, again, coming back to sort of the theme of like, Feeling inspired by gangster movies, and it, it might be because I, I, the 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 trailer for The Many Saints of Newark came out this week. But I was getting like a strong, like live a Soprano vibe from the granny. Um, <laughs> just like sh- she thinks he's an idiot. He's gonna serve his purpose, and that is her purpose. And you know, he doesn't want to get married. Well, it, like too bad if you don't you you don't come back here to get married. We're gonna put your wife on a bus and send her to you, and. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's just you're gonna do what I tell you, and that's that. You're too stupid to not do what I tell you, even though he's clearly, um, he's clearly a a bright uh, guy with, um, you know, as it turned out in the end, he could be be an excessive uh, success of his own, and I think that is like, it's one of the most even though his family does kind of seem horrible and kind of feel like they're sponging him, it it does sort of, it's like one of the worst kind of morally ambiguous bits of the film is like that. He, um, takes off. And leaves his family's fate up in the air. And there's this entire, I guess, fantasy sequence where he wonders like what might happen to his family. If he steals the money and, and splits where, like all the members of his family are basically brutally killed in what kind of looks like an ethnic cleansing Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's just like that's i mean even as horrible as these people might seem like do they deserve that and was that the? i mean no matter what balram does with the money how well he treats his employees was it like worth just like I guess, apparently wiping out his village, which seems to be what happens in in his fantasy wonderings about what the fate of his family will be. But it's just, it's... The film is really, really sort of, I guess, ambiguous about, you know... Or, I I guess maybe, not, not ambiguous, but, like, honest about, you know, what happens when you try to sort of, like, break up this system and, like, what the costs are that, you know nobody gets away clean which is i guess another gangster movie
1: yeah well yeah it's it's honest in the fact that i i almost assume that his family must have been murdered and he looks at a newspaper headline at one point and -hmm. it could be anywhere but it's like 17 members of the same family murdered in uh, rural india or something and it was like yeah that's uh that's kind of what he's doing but there that's why there's like as much as he says throughout the film like he'll say oh you can anybody can escape they just have to do it they just have to do it well there's a lot of these 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 this right. cage this cage he's in is is there right like you can't you can't just uh steal the money kill your master and then mm. have your family be okay right you can't do that so there's a reason why people there's a reason there's that fear and they want to stay in that state of servitude, right? So he... uh, Well, there are many
0: different
1: cages, right? Like, there's the
0: cage between, you know, master and servant. There's the cage... And and this is where I I kind of feel that there's some comparisons to Parasite, too. One of the things about Parasite was that it it wasn't just a a rich man versus poor man struggle. It was like a poor man versus poorer man struggle. And you Mm -hmm. see a lot of that in this, too, that um, he's from the country, and so, like, the, the, the chauffeurs who are, like, from the city, like, look down on him, even though they're both doing the same job and presumably making, like, the same crappy pay. But because they're above him in this, like, different way, um, he, he he becomes a a target for mockery. And so there's, like, these systems, even amongst the lower classes, that keep themselves separate. Then I'll probably also keep them oppressed as well, because they're fighting each other instead of fighting the system.
1: Yeah, and it's it's wild how that happens around the world. I think you know, when you look at like Canada, we're maybe one of the few countries in the world that doesn't truly you know, we've got e- economic disparity big time, but mm. as far as like sort of that caste system, it makes me think of even other countries where it's like yeah like you're saying they people could be working the same job or somebody could be working a better job than somebody but they have a different accent so they're from mm. a different lower class you know it's just sort of it, it's interesting you mentioned that yeah it's like and, and when 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 Balram goes back to his village he's like the big shot because he's wearing dress clothes and stuff even though he's still a servant he's a servant you know he's and a he's driving stri- a driver. car yeah he's a, yeah he's <laughs> driving a car yeah it's like well he's got a car he's he's dressed nicely even though he's totally a servant so to our eyes in north america it might be like wow he's he's, Mm -hmm. you see him he's a servant he's a he's the driver but back home that's a step up right so it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting yeah and then the other drivers are like from a different they're in a different class strata so they're like even though they're you know getting paid the same like you're saying they're like looking down on on people, it just shows the whole insanity of the whole whole system in a way. Yeah, yeah, they live yeah. in like the same,
0: you know, crappy, like boarding house. I I don't even know what it is. It looked like it was like the like they they've taken rooms in the parking garage and turned them into um into it's like sort of dormitories, which maybe they did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's like we you know we all live in the same crappy dormitory, but Baram he's from the country, he's the real like <laughs> lord it's it's just it's i mean from the outside looking in it seems silly, but I'm sure it's yeah. just sort of deeply serious in India, and of course, like I mean a lot of this stuff also just carries over its generational and um and of course, you know we're looking at this too as. You know, North Americans, and uh, yeah. I think it's it's worth noting. Like again, we, our caste systems are not as sort of explicit, but you know, we do kind of have our our caste systems as well, and um, we we certainly don't mind pitting you know different poor people against each other if it's uh, advantageous to people in the the higher strata. So it's. Yeah. I don't know if we're reading too much into this, just like sort of like a basic kind of like, there's something about it that's very Steinbeck, that's very like (laughs) society is craps and, you know, we have to like climb over each other. Only one person will reach the pinnacle. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you can read. You can read anything into a movie, but th- there's a lot to sort of chew on here, which which I found interesting. It's it's kind of a very simple movie from like a narrative point of view, but I guess because there's all this going on in the periphery, that it, there's a sort of a lot to mull over, which which I appreciate. And the I, th- I thought the actors were really good too. I really like uh, Arish uh, Gavrav, who played Balram, and uh, as you said, Piyanka, uh, Priyanka Chopra. And uh, Raj Kumar Rao, who played Ashok, um, I think he probably gets the the least to do, but um, he, he does he does uh, sad and broken hearted really well. So um, I, I guess he 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 did what he needed to do.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it's and it's interesting too. You mentioned the the comparison to Parasite because I thought of that immediately while watching it, and but then you realize. The the novel was came out in like two thousand eight, so it is pre pre parasite. But there's so many similar ideas, especially even just being the driver, being the chauffeur, and what he does yeah, to yeah. get that position and to get to be number one driver too. Yeah, you know, just sort of the, the underhandedness of it, uh, but the comedic. It's all comedic at the same time. You know yeah. that he can get get to the get to that status and what he does and how he manipulates people himself. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to read the book too. I think, uh,
0: well, well, well let's not go crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can we have a book report
1: next week? Adam <laughs> Uh,
0: I I'm looking at the pile of books I have next to my desk and I'm not sure I have time to add another one, but, uh, Tim, you are more than you are more than free to read whatever book you want, and if people want to make some (laughs) want to make some reading suggestions (laughs) to you, how can they find you on the internet?
1: Uh, Flashing the deadpan on social media and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, but I should, (laughs) right? Adam, you're on there, right?
0: Oh, heavens, no. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, that's that's a Peter Salmon thing. (laughs) Just
1: talk to Peter. Yes.
0: And that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it, and if you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean, or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And speaking of Spotify, you can get the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the End Credit Show in Spotify. Just open up your app and search for End Credits on CFRU to find that playlist you can find us on social media as well we're on facebook at end credits radio show and on twitter at end credits radio i can be found tomorrow at 5 p.m for news and politics on open sources guelph with my co-host there scotty hertz in the meantime i'm on twitter and instagram at adam Donaldson, and you can find my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca and stay tuned for more great programming here on cfru 93.3 fm CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will see you again next Wednesday at 3pm for another edition of End Credits and we will see you then.